Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I think, yeah, putting yourself out there is the great way because if, if you don't do anything, you're not going to learn anything. Um, so the mm. I think the advice is, is to... Welcome to Game Dev Advice, the game developer's podcast. Your place for resources and in-depth conversations with other game development professionals. I'm your host, John J.P. Podlasic. I've worked at 10 different game companies starting back in 1989 with the TurboGrafx-16. Over the decades, I've developed games like Mortal Kombat, Avengers Initiative, Beavis and Butthead, and numerous others. I now work for a startup called Level X. But this podcast isn't about me. It's about you and the game development community. So if you have questions or ideas, give a call, 224-484-7733, or go to the gamedevadvice.com website. So let's kick things off with the new Game Dev advice. Hey everyone, thanks for your patience waiting for the new episode. It's the 50th, which is an exciting milestone. Appreciate you listening. The show's now in over 70 countries. Our guest for this one is Carl LeDuc from New Zealand, second guest from that wonderful country. He's a games producer at Altered State Machine, the vice chair of the NZGDA, along with the creator of the popular Zero to Play podcast that interviews game developers each week. Enjoy. Hey, Carl. So where are you calling in from tonight? Hey, John. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm calling sure. in from Auckland, New Zealand, in oh, the south, wow. southern hemisphere. Uh, as, and again, which town is that? Which part? Uh, Auckland, Auckland. Um, it's the one a city city in New Zealand. Okay, no, that's fantastic. It's beautiful part of the world. So, what's your current role right now? Uh, as a few, probably about a month and a half, or maybe two months, uh, I've been mm-hmm. a games producer at Altered State Machine, which uh, which is a, a Web three blockchain company. Of, um, which is yeah, great, mm. great topic <laughs> that we can touch on today. <laughs> and it just started, so that's you said a couple of months ago. So that's great. Yeah, yeah, just come off, uh, came off um, shipping a survival game for a company called Rocketworks, uh, where I was a, a production coordinator for two years. Um, mm-hmm. Shipped that at the end of last year, and then yeah, got this opportunity early this year, which was which was awesome. Oh, congrats! So, how did you get started in the game industry? Initially, I, I wanted to pursue film and uh, got mm-hmm. a diploma in, in um, screenwriting and directing, but I couldn't find a, a stable job, and that led to me kind of looking into other industries, other creative industries. Um, and after being a, a lifelong gamer, I, I found a mobile game studio and that kind of piqued my interest. And after, mm-hmm. I think, just lucky timing um, and maybe a bit of charm, I managed to get a QA uh, tester uh, intern, <laughs> internship there. Foot in the door, um, right? So there you go. Yeah, I mean, the foot in the door is, is no no joke. It's it's really important because as soon as I, I got in into the into the system, um, the my whole worldview changed on you know what games was what what yeah. I could do there. So yeah, QA was was my first job there, which I'm mm-hmm. really appreciative for. That's how I um. Well, TurboGrafx-16 hotline phone, then I was in QA, and you really, you get to see how the, as they say, the sausage is made, right? Like, like you're in the trenches, mm-hmm. and you're working with 
especially if you're in-house QA, you're working with engineers and um, designers and artists, and it gives you a real interesting perspective into the industry. Yeah, you can. What I love is you can. The, the, there's obviously pressure to you know test and 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 make sure that you are you know logging bugs for the latest builds so that things don't get missed. But um, mm -hmm. at the same time, you kind of have time to observe and and yeah mm -hmm. learn about each department and meet new right. people. Um, and that's that. Yeah, that's what I really love. That's I think why like QA is such a a good role to kind of get in because the people's eyes just aren't on you expecting the world from you you can kind of mm -hmm. um yeah just ease into it which which was really nice yeah and, and you can kind of um see where you aspire towards right like i'm really good about organization and tracking things mm -hmm. and i, I want to start then going into production or i love design and uh, and i'm going to get more technical working in engine because i want to aspire to be a level designer and so you kind of focus on that right it, it's kind of like that on ramp to the game industry, and then you can kind of figure out where you want to go, um, especially with design, production, and art to some degree. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it seems more art, or seems excuse me, it seems more design and production centric for QA. But yeah, that, that's what actually happened to me is is after a year of, of working in QA, uh, one of the uh, producers that was on the project I was helping QA for uh, left, and I just you know. Mm -hmm. With my naive my my naive self, I was like, I could, I can be that producer that kind of steps in <laughs> and, and replaces. And I ended yeah. up putting my my interest in for that role, and um and it, it came out with me getting um a, a job as an assistant producer. So it was right. you know with me feeling um overconfident, uh, but me, <laughs> being being able to put myself out there made me uh, show my interest in kind of switching departments and, and I've loved the production department, um, ever since. And that's, yeah, that's been my career path. Yeah. I remember back when I was in QA and there was some production floundering happening on, um, a, a game that we were publishing at Viacom New Media. So I was kind of stepping into kind of a assistant associate producer type role to help ship this PC game. And yeah, it, it's kind of like uh trial by fire or just kind of, you get promoted during battle type thing and um and you get kind of put into that position so so thinking back uh to when you started kind of like what do you wish you had known um i think i i, I don't know if, if if i could have if my path would have been any different but in the last few years i've really found uh, a big passion in engaging with the community um i mm -hmm. i have a I'm, I'm part of the board of the new zealand game developers association and uh and that that role gives me immense joy and satisfaction and, and gives me a chance to learn from indie developers and studio managers in the industry and um, help out the industry as a whole. Uh, I don't know if I would have, those, those associations existed when I started in the industry in, in 2014, but I just, I don't think I was mature enough or confident enough in my path to consider joining something like that. But um, mm -hmm. I wish I was maybe more active in the community and maybe went to more meetups um, put myself out there more, participated in more game jams. I think that mm -hmm. just would have helped my journey progress faster. Um, and, and I do love the games industry. And, and once you kind of work in a corporate environment, I feel like it's, it's easy to get lazy or, or get, um, I don't know, uh, you, you stop, complacent. you stop kind of, yeah. yeah, complacent and you stop kind of pursuing what interested you about the industry in the first place. Um, mm -hmm. because you've just got a, you know, a paycheck coming in every mm -hmm. month um, and that's something i'm actively trying to push against is, is really leaning into the community and helping support those that are starting out um in, in a way that would have helped me when i started yeah tell me a little bit about that community 
Yeah, so the NZGDA helped run a, a, an annual conference called uh, NZGDC, yeah, NZ mm-hmm. New Zealand Game Developers Conference. And also we have an early stage fund called uh, Kiwi Game Starter, which is a, a competition where people can get you know like ten to twenty thousand dollars for their project to continue development. So it's it's quite small, but that that is quite a big deal for those starting out. Um, mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it's it's really interesting just just understanding the the different types of of companies and people within an industry. Um, so the you have the the AAA or double A studios that. Right. You know, have you know ten to a hundred employees or hundred to two hundred employees, and then you have the the indie side, which is just you know two to ten people, mm-hmm. um, and and them trying to make it and and having some successful titles and and keeping their business nice and small, and it's it's been it's it's really interesting trying to think of what is valuable to to both of those people, um, and what what they need from from the industry and and from government and from investment and things like that. It's um. I'm I'm learning every day about it. Uh, so yeah, yeah just, it, it's really interesting. So you get back uh, in 2014, like what's your advice, you know, for someone trying to get their first job? I think department's really important. I think if I had spoken to uh, producers back when I started, I probably would have realized that I was kind of a producer type mm-hmm. earlier um, and, and probably would have attacked more entry-level production positions earlier. But if you're, you know, if if you if you enjoy programming or if you're an artist and you're just kind of starting out or graduating from uni, I definitely recommend participating in game jams and yeah. um, connecting with the community, getting uh, some projects under your belt, and just experimenting with different different game systems, different teams, different platforms, and things like that, just to rapidly get experience. I think game jams are are a great way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, otherwise looking for entry-level positions or looking for internship opportunities. Um, cause that, that's what I think the like local associations are trying to do is, is make that onboarding really helpful. And if you, if you look to those associations, you might find opportunities that, you know, it's, they're obviously trying to get your attention, but if, if you take a, a few steps towards them, you might find a lot of, um, interesting opportunities that you might not have found just by kind of going about your, your day to day. So maybe having a bit of initiative is, is something that would be, um, helpful just to see what's happening, see what industry events are happening. And, and that might be the way to make that connection that gets you first job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, engaging in community and being part of mm-hmm. game jams, stuff like that. Yeah. That's, those are things that are all important. Um, what about somebody that wants to try and advance their career as a producer right now? Like, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm, I'm asking myself that question and, and I actually want to participate in a few game jams to see if, if I can be of value as a producer, because part of me has this, this feeling that, you know, I'm not actually contributing to the game in, in some, in a valuable way. I, you know, me going in as QA might be more helpful than as a producer with such a small team, people can kind of manage themselves. Mm. But I think, I think there's a lot of value to applying the things that like these organizational and process, um, pieces of advice that, that work for you and like your personal life and, and, and trying to give that advice to other indie devs. Uh, an example is I, I feel I'm trying to do that with my Twitter content these days is, you know, I, I'm trying to kind of repurpose it or, or trying to put it in a, in a way that is valuable to those that don't necessarily have producers on their team or have mm-hmm. that, that production mindset. 
um, I, I saw just the other day there was there was a free course on on Udemy for you know like production fundamentals. Uh, I think those things are, are always nice. I think there's uh, mm-hmm. reading books is is great, um, like Blood Sweat and Pixels, and just hearing yeah. stories about um, how different teams managed their projects. I think those are really great um, uh, stories to read because you can you can apply you yeah you can use those stories to help when you're facing struggles in in your projects. Mm-hmm. Um, Jira and Confluence, they uh, they have you know community boards that where they host yeah. um, you know webinars and talk about their latest features and things like that. And I think that that is um, th- there's always value there. Same as at conferences, looking mm-hmm. at what the what talks are happening in the production stream and either connecting with the speaker or just listening to what their talk is that might present an interesting strategy or process that you weren't aware of. And on the topic of books, um, Clinton Keith is. Uh just uh, awesome on the production side for game development. I participated uh, about a decade, 12 years ago um, when I was at Disney about doing agile development and stuff for games. So he's consultant and he's done a couple things. So Clinton Keith is a name to check out. And then going back to an earlier episode, um, breakingthewheel.com and my friend, Justin Fisher, uh, who's got a lot of really interesting ideas around production and doing game development smart without crunch and trying to figure out ways to be just more smart about development and not just 100 hour weeks and all that kind of stuff. So those are some resources I'd like to share to people. So what do you feel is the most important quality or skill for other kind of game developers in general to have? It's a broad stroke, right? Like game developers can be artists, designers, producers, engineers. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, just the nature of game development being so cross-functional and, and, and a combination of so many different mediums like sound arts programming design they all kind of possess different skills and different types of people that work in them i think the the best skill is is probably communication and just learning to communicate efficiently with different people whether that's you know making sure you you put things in writing or be clear with what your intentions are in meetings and and things like that Mm -hmm. um even just yeah just learning how different people from different departments communicate or it's even on a, a more personal level how different people within your team communicate best. And if someone, uh, usually programmers don't like to be bugged every 20 right. minutes and um, <laughs> with your with your remote or in person, like having them always constantly get interrupted is, mm-hmm. is probably not very efficient. And just mm-hmm. kind of learning these little communication insights into different people. And, you know, when you sense someone's kind of frustrated, try and try and learn what, what way people prefer to communicate. Same as like your team in general, if maybe your team prefers to do standups in the, in the afternoons rather than in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that can really shift the, the overall environment of like your, the, the positivity in, in the space, uh, which mm-hmm. can help people be more productive and, and happier. So yeah, communication, I think is really important. Yeah. That's definitely key. And, no, it's a good point too about engineers. Like as as a producer, non-engineer, right? Like you, you don't realize sometimes how challenging it is to get in that headspace when you're writing code, right? And it's not like you're jumping between, you know, Jira and a Word doc, right? Like it's it's a real deep dive to be an engineer. So like when they're kind of in that zone, they're doing stuff and they're getting bombarded all the time with you know messages, they can't concentrate, they can't focus. So you have to give them that time without interruptions so they can actually focus on the engineering work. And um, I used to hear that a lot, you know, with engineers and, and kind of riffing off that, like, what is your environment? Is it, is it in person? Is it hybrid? Is it a hundred percent remote? Like, 
Well, so I, I, I'm, I just, I came from a, a team of 80 developers, mm-hmm. you know, working on one title to now I'm kind of in an R and D phase, um, slash pre-production of, of several projects, um, at this new company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's more of a software company first that's building out a games team. The environment is mm-hmm. slightly different than what, like a traditional game studio looks like for now. Uh, but it's, it's, it's awesome to be a part of kind of a studio building uh, in its early stages like this to foresee how it can grow in the next in, in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the environment right now, I am mostly remote, uh, but we do have an office that we we head to um, like once a week for, you know, workshop. There's a lot of workshopping and whiteboard sessions happening mm-hmm. at this stage, just because there's a lot of design questions and just overall industry trend developments that that we need to constantly discuss. Um, we're not really in that kind of head down and and work for the next um, 12 months just yet. Uh, we're right. just, yeah, a lot of, lot of planning. But yeah, if I can speak on my previous experience, which, which was a live service game that launched in December and um, and that was fully remote and we'd been remote since August. We actually shipped the game while being fully remote and mm. that was quite an interesting experience to really um, accept that being a producer remotely. <laughs> I thought it was always going to be temporary, but then yeah. I kind of had, had to lean into how I can do my job the best while being remote, which um, yeah. which was an interesting realization. Yeah, I've um, I've shipped lots and lots of games, and I've never shipped anything remote, right? Because I like that wasn't mm-hmm. just a thing. So I, I think about those challenges, right? Because it's it used to be you'd be there and you'd be able to talk to QA and spend time in there, and you know have mm-hmm. have meetings and whiteboard stuff, and and this is like a whole new kind of paradigm, right? Or paradigm in terms of being remote. Yeah. I had to learn to, and the biggest kind of shift that I made that I think really helped me do my job is, is not being, not being afraid to just DM people mm-hmm. out of the blue um, and just fire off messages every you know couple minutes to different people. And, and people will manage their own asynchronous. If they're in like a state of flow, they, they can yeah. minimize or close or add, you know, put do not disturb on their Slack so they can focus on their work. But right. I think it's important for a producer to kind of in those moments to react and take action just like you would in a studio, you'd kind of get off your seat and then maybe see that they've got their headphones on and then choose to bother them later. Right, or you right. just kind of go off and get that answer from them then and there so that you can kind of progress because producers are constantly solving, you know, six stage problems where they need <laughs> they need to yeah. kind of go to multiple different departments and mm-hmm. maybe put together a meeting and things. And, and if you don't kind of uh, lean into that that state of flow of, of problem solving, then it'll be very hard for you to solve enough problems that a producer needs to solve on a daily basis to get a project done. Yeah. You kind of touched on communication earlier, but like, you know, what's your advice about developing interpersonal skills, you know, kind of like the EQ, the soft skills, stuff like that? I think just exposing yourself to as, as many different types of people is, is really valuable. Being being um, patient with people. Uh, I'm not the, so mm-hmm. the, yeah. These are skills that I think some a lot of people just kind of inherently have. People are more patient than others. But I think there are ways of of kind of working on those things. And I think just putting yourself out there, where whether it's meeting people, and this doesn't have to be within your job, but just meeting people in general so that you're kind of exposed to different personality types and different ways that people interact and just being open-minded, being Mm -hmm. supportive is really helpful because as soon as you kind of meet someone, someone new, yeah. You you might have you might know how to deal with them in a certain way based on others that you've interacted with. 
but I think, yeah, p- putting yourself out there is the great way. Cause if, if you don't do anything, you're not going to learn anything. Um, so the, mm. I think the advice is, is to do, uh, do something. And if it, if it's communication that you want to improve, then communicate with more people. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, please go to patreon.com backslash game dev advice. We'd love to see if you can support the show and help uh, new episodes keep coming out. That's patreon.com backslash game dev advice. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's been your favorite game or project to work on? I've only worked on, you know, less than a, less than half a dozen projects in in my time in my career. Yeah. Uh, but the project that that comes to mind is just being really interesting. Is um, when I worked down at uh, Weta Workshop on an augmented reality project called Doctor Grodbots. Mm. Um, it, it was in partnership with Magic Leap, and and it was it was an awesome experience just because uh. it was on um, emerging technology where these like portals would appear on your walls and these robots would come out and kind of trip over your couch as they try and shoot you and, and you hit them back. And it was just for me as, as someone who loves games and loves different experiences, that was just um, yeah. a, a couple moments where I was just kind of lost in, in the state of flow in in that game um, and just realizing kind of what, what was happening right in front of me. And mm-hmm. um, it, it made me really, this was a couple of years ago now. And I feel like, yeah, augmented reality and, and even virtual reality haven't really hit their peak yet. Uh, but I'm really excited for the kind of projects that we'll be seeing uh, once those platforms become a bit more mainstream. Yeah. And that kind of bleeds into the next question. Kind of like, you know, what are you curious about right now in the industry? Well, I think my actions speak louder than words. I, I stepped into the the Web3 blockchain space a mm-hmm. couple of months ago and and it was a very uh, I, I spoke to a lot of people in the space a lot of a lot of my mentors a lot of people that i knew had concerns about the space um and i did a lot of research and i think at the end of the day i'm, I'm curious about the technology and there were enough people enough talented people that i really respect that had moved into the space that made me realize that there was an opportunity right now to kind of get in early mm-hmm. and to learn about the space and bring my passion for games and passion for game development to um, a business that you know needed those skills. Um, mm. So I think, yeah, the, the Web3 web three space I find really interesting. There's obviously a lot of lot of noise in the space, yeah. um, but I think at, it's, at it's, it's hard core, to like, it, it, you I'm know, curious. Yeah, for me, it's like, it's hard because like, I'm I'm intrigued by it, but it's like, how do you separate the noise from you know the garbage from what's the gems, right? Like, I'm trying to get my mm. head around that space. Um, so yeah, I'm curious about your perspective about like what is cool and yeah. valuable in Web three, right? I think well, so on on one end, I I'm a gamer first. I'm not really crypto native person per se. Like, I've got a I've got a wallet and. I've invested in in some NFTs just to kind of test the waters, but it's mm-hmm. not nothing. It's not not a huge portion of my income is kind of going into the space. And when the yeah. the the crypto economy shifts, it doesn't really affect me that much. Right. But I think and and it, it it also gets very technical very fast. And there's a lot of you know 
really smart people working in the space on things that I honestly don't understand or couldn't help communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kind of focusing on the on the areas that I I understand and working on the projects that I I kind of believe in and with with teams that I believe in. Mm. Um, I think it just presents a new way of engaging with interactive media. Okay. I think similar to when free to play kind of emerged, people weren't quite sure how it was going to affect the industry or or quite sure how much of a of a chunk it was going to cater for. And that kind of emerged around mobile as well as a platform. Mm-hmm. And I think something similar is happening. And there's just there's a lot of things that are just happening in the world. One with with COVID and, and people becoming more remote, mm-hmm. I think has put a lot of pressure into the space. I think virtual reality kind of reaching its next iteration and companies like Facebook stepping in and Apple. Um, it's putting a lot of attention in the space and the word metaverse has yeah. created this this big buzzword that so many people are trying to approach and web three being this other financial layer to what the future of the metaverse might be. It gets very, very complex and very mm-hmm. um, wishy-washy very quick, but I think we're just early and I think it's just going to take time. And I don't think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's just going to take time for the the kind of noise to kind of settle and for people to realize what use cases work in the space and what use cases don't. And I think there's going to be a lot of failure and there's going to be a couple of people that succeed and become really prominent in the space. Yeah. And, and I think that's, it's just, yeah, it's getting a lot of attention right now and it's, um, yeah. it's, it's a lot to deal with. Um, and we touched a little bit earlier, but like, what are your thoughts on uh, AR and VR? Uh, I think I'd say they're both two two different paths, like two different types of technologies. Um, augmented reality being something that uses your physical world as as kind of a base, whereas virtual reality is is kind of a an endless um yeah. an endless experience that's three sixty. Right. So I think both of those. Uh, ask for kind of different use cases uh, but there's there's still a lot of experimentation happening in the space mm-hmm. uh, i'm a, i like i'm a, i love technology I, I i i love experimenting with new technology and trying out new experiences and i think the ar and vr um headsets uh, are the next kind of iteration of technology i don't know how common you know vr and ar headsets are going to be in in every household in every household like uh, phones are nowadays right but I do think they're going to be, I think they're going to be the next frontier of technology that does get iterated on. Um, mm. I think there's a lot of you know issues that need to be resolved around the technology still. And yeah. um, it's hard to cater for, you know, people with, with glasses and, and things like that. There's a lot of edge cases that, that mm-hmm. still need to be figured out, but I'm, I'm excited. And, and there's, there's a lot of money, a lot of uh, really talented companies that are working on this technology every day. I think what Snap is doing for the AR industry is, is awesome. And, and they're really leading, not, well, yeah, I'd say leading um, mm-hmm. the way in, in a lot of these kind of augmented reality experiences and um, augmented reality adjacent um, products that will help uh, anyone or will help the industry move forward and just become this more fleshed out and environment that, you know, that we'll see some really big experiences come out in the future. We've done some projects at my job at Level X on Magic Leap and at the consumer level, it's a tough ask, right? Like it, it's a mm. lot of monies to, to get into it versus like, you know, uh, a 299, you know, with a quest, but yeah, there's a lot mm. of cool stuff on the Magic Leap and it tends to be a little bit more on the enterprise business side, but it is pretty exciting. Like you can overlay, you know, these visuals on top of your environment and do things that are very different from VR. 
Um, mm. Right. Where does this stuff go? Like, where are we two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? Excited to see what Apple does in the future in this space because they're not always the first out of the gate, but they always kind of crush it later when, when they come out with whatever they're going to do. So, what about potential threats that you see to the game industry? What, like, uh, what kind of stuff do you go, that's kind of sketch? Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I think uh, the, the perfect example is even though I'm working in Web3, seeing uh, play to earn games and just the i think the word play to earn is is a really damaging yeah. um sentence that that causes a lot of and i just think that there's a lot of people developing you know game like experiences or experiences that they they use the word game where they're actually you know whether it's you know closer to gambling or closer to like a casino experience that doesn't necessarily take skill or isn't necessarily mm-hmm. entertaining or fun yeah um and and even though i'm in the web3 space i I, I know and I'm excited for the projects that will emerge that that develop a game that is fun first and then have maybe a layer that uh, the the players can earn if they want to go down that route yeah. um, within the game. And so I think terminology, the terminology play to earn is, is quite damaging and mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the experiences that get attention within the, the games community, I think make me uh, shudder a little bit because they're not really game experiences. But um, with the amount of game developers that I know that are working on projects now uh, in the industry, I'm excited for what is going to come out in the next 12 months. You know, give the right talent time to make a, a valuable experience in the space and think we'll, we'll be surprised by, you know, what these experiences might look like. That's what I'm. Mm-hmm. That's what kind of um, frustrates me a bit in the space. But at the same time, I'm just kind of head down, focused on doing the best that I can in the space, and and hopefully it comes out and is an experience that people can enjoy. And and then people, whether it's they're scamming, whether it's yeah. it's an experience that's more like gambling. I feel like those stories are, are going to become less and less as more talent and more legit experiences start emerging. I was just hearing, you know, this is June 11th here, 2022, but it was this Axie Infinity was talking about like, sounds kind of like play to earn type stuff and all this money just disappeared and stuff like that. So Mm. yeah, those kind of things are, you know, it it sounds very utopian and you're playing, but it also sounds kind of very grindy, right? Like play to earn. It it feels very almost like sweatshop. Like you're you're just sitting there clicking on on stuff and there's no game there really yeah i think um there was a an interesting quote by uh by some of the names escaping me but it's your game it's the, it's maslow's hierarchy of needs and mm-hmm. if you can pay rent with an experience that that experience is going to become a job and, and that you, <laughs> and there's nothing you can change about that it's in maslow's hierarchy of needs if, if something can provide the the shelter and food that you need which is at the top of the pyramid mm-hmm. um that's more important than things that are you know fun and entertaining and I think there is a an interesting balance that needs to be struck with these uh, with with this kind of emerging genre of you know web three games where mm-hmm. there needs the fun and the entertainment side needs to be the majority interest and maybe there's only five percent the people of, of the players that um, like a chance or are interested in kind of pursuing the the earn side of the project. And and the thing is that the space is so early that there's so many different ways you can do it. There's no right. rule book right now of how someone can earn, a, you know, it could be a tournament 
where the winner of the tournament gets X amount of money and that 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 situation, that scenario can work within the Web3 context. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, yeah, that can be done without blockchain technology, but it can create also some unique systems that can't exist in like a Web2 infrastructure. So is there anything I should have asked you about but didn't? Um, I'm glad we touched on on Web3 stuff just because that's kind of my whole career path right now. And I do think it's it's interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't ask me about my podcast, which uh, yeah. I plug if anyone, if anyone's listened plug to away. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. all, all of the episodes of Game Dev Advice and is looking for, for more interviews from game developers. I do have a interview show called Zero to Play, which can be found on, on YouTube and Spotify and mm-hmm. all the podcasting platforms where, yeah, there's just some interesting guests that I've interviewed, whether they're indie devs, d- developers that work at, at AAA studios, mm-hmm. um, those that work in, in game adjacent. Uh, companies with their like marketing or localization firms or even uh, YouTuber game devs, which I think is a, a really fascinating kind of emerging space where content creators are building communities by building games mm-hmm. um, through YouTube content. And that's a really interesting kind of mix of of a lot of different skills, which I find find interesting. Yeah. Cool. And what was the name of the, uh, the podcast and the YouTube channel again? Zero to Play. Zero to Play. Uh, okay. Zero to Play podcast. Yeah. Cool. So what game or games are you playing right now that you're excited about? Uh, well, the game that I, I'm playing the most right now is, is Valorant. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of first-person shooters. And mm. I think Riot Games, like it's very hard for them to be dethroned, I think, because of all of the infrastructure that they've put in to make competitive games. Um, mm. and, and I think that's that's what I love about them is, is you know, they, they clearly know their their target market and they've they've built world-class tools to um, help whether it's even even the the streaming side and the, the competitions that they run, it's uh, it's incredible to see. And and I love it when people that aren't necessarily interested in games or, or friends that I have that aren't big into games kind of mention something like a Riot Games uh, tournament, whether it's League of Legends or yeah. um, or Valorant, that that comes across their view. And and I love seeing projects like that uh, showing how games are really spilling into pop culture and spilling into the into the mainstream of, you know, the regular, the general public. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, but like, you know, where can people find you online? Like the website, Twitter, stuff like that. What are your... Best at contacted through Twitter at Carl's Content. I, yeah, I'm very active on Twitter. Try post mm-hmm. there regularly. Try provide value to the community there. Uh, also on, on LinkedIn at Carl LeDuc, uh, if you want to connect with me there. Okay. Um, but yeah, Twitter is definitely the best place. And my DMs are open if you want to reach out at any time. Yeah, and just full disclosure, like I was um, on Twitter and you had a really valuable kind of thread talking about game production and, and indie game development and like thoughts on best practices and stuff like that. And um, I find that really interesting. And that's, that's how we kind of connected. Yep, that's my pin tweet at the moment. If you're interested, it's called uh, Eight Tips for an Indie Dev Making a Game from a Producer. And these are just ideas that I um, wrote down through my discussions with other people, I think thanks to the podcast as well, helped me feel like I was talking to the right audience. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I enjoy I enjoy content on Twitter. It's easy and, and fun and valuable. Yeah, it. Um, I have to watch it because it's like a, uh, you start walk, going on Twitter and you're like, this is cool, this is cool. And then you start going down rabbit holes and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> shit, where, where is that hour gone? I got I to gotta be careful here. So yeah. Last question, like what's one piece of advice you give others working in the industry right now? 
yeah, just I think that the the whole space right now, especially with being in Web three, I I kind of react to what I see a lot more. But I think a a piece of advice that I'd like to share is just for people to to keep an open mind and not to jump to conclusions or um, think that I I have zero interest in 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 making a quick buck or, mm. or kind of flipping and and like I I have huge respect for my my peers just the, just general people that play any experiences that I create and um the fact that I now work in web3 there are a few people that have assumed that I have you know bad intentions and that I'm out there just to make money and uh, mm-hmm. and I I think that couldn't be further from the truth and I I think my my advice would be to just keep an open mind and and be patient with new technology uh-huh. uh, because no one really knows how it's going to impact the future and and people just want to have fun, try new things, experiment and explore and and try and see what what can be done. Um, people that are that are experimenting with new technology. So yeah, yeah, I think that that would be my my advice. Is um, yeah, because there's a lot of there's a lot of negativity and a lot of yeah um, anger mm-hmm. in the in in the space and a lot of threads. I think yeah, Twitter especially is is a place that kind of brings those emotions out. Yeah. Um, and I think just having yeah patience and an open mind is good in, in this time it's tricky right because you, you know you've, you've got the board ape yacht club stuff and you're like what what is this yeah, what <laughs> right but it, it's like separating that to see where there's value where there's something that's interesting and not just well it's all garbage you, you yeah. know people hucking stuff right like it's um it's tricky right because it's like how do you separate the wheat from the chafe and like what is what is valuable and what is good, but there is a lot of interesting stuff out there, especially in the Web three space. But sometimes it gets you know lumped in with all the board ape stuff, and uh, it's like, all right, no, that's not the case. But what is the future here, and what is cool, and and keeping an open mind, right? Like, you know, that's that's important. Hopefully, hopefully, in a year's time, if if we if we chat again, we'll have a bit more. You know, there'll be maybe the Flappy Birds or the Candy Crushers from when mobile <laughs> came out that that yeah. have emerged in the Web three space that can kind of start to make people wrap their head around. I mean, I don't think Flappy Bird is is a really great example. That was more of like a viral hit, more like Angry Birds and yeah. Candy Crush, right. about how to use like a new platform or um, new technology. And and I think and hopefully in a year's time we have a few experiences like that to talk about. Whereas I think things like Axie Infinity aren't a really good example right now. No, especially yeah. the recent news and all that kind of stuff. It's like, whoa, there's some crazy shit going on. Well, cool. Thank you, uh, Carl, for talking tonight. I, I really appreciate this uh, discussion. Yeah, it's all good. Thanks for having me, John. Cool. Thanks for listening to this episode of Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. Go to the website at gamedevadvice.com and you can find the show notes along with show notes for all the other episodes. Please also check out the new Patreon page at patreon.com backslash gamedevadvice. Have a lot of options up there for how you can support the show. Again, that's patreon.com backslash gamedevadvice. Thanks again for listening and being part of the show. Take care. Bye-bye.